God bless you guys in the name of Jesus. Oh yes, bless, yes, blessed you are. I tell you, this is probably a, the more impacting Bible truths. They're all amazing, obviously, but this one you can write home to mother about. It's that life-changing. And I mean that. We have seen in so many locations such a wonderful transformation in people's lives with this understanding. See, this is, it begins a story about a harlot, a prostitute. And that, right off the bat, we just can't gloss over it. We have to try to analyze why God framed it that way. Often we think that we're righteous because we keep the Ten Commandments or we're good or we make a strenuous effort to behave properly. All of the above do it, obviously. But that's not how righteousness comes. Righteousness doesn't come by the Ten Commandments. They were not even in existence when God spoke of righteousness. Righteousness comes by faith. And when we study this lady who's termed a harlot, even in the New Testament, she can't seem to shed this shame. Uh, Hebrews and James continuously call her a prostitute and a harlot. Can't let go. But it's amazing how she came to faith. And that's why this story is so life-changing. Because it makes a person really come to grips with it doesn't matter what I'm doing, even though I shouldn't be doing right. Don't see this as a license to I shouldn't be doing wrong. Don't see it as a license to sin. But it's the way God operates, which is contrary to the way we operate. He operates by grace, forgiveness, long-suffering, patience. Few of us have patience. Few of us are willing to forgive freely. Uh, and the society as a whole is so steadfast in judgment. And we grow up in it. We know it. We are, we don't even know we're it. So the story of Rahab, the prostitute, is amazing. You know, it's a person right off the bat that Jesus would like to hang out with. He surrounded himself with sinners. He was chastised, rebuked severely because he had the audacity to hang out with people that were really bad. Uh, some of his closest people were prostitutes and changed lives. It's amazing the story, how it begins. The problem with this is that most people can't let you shed your past. They think that's all you're ever going to be. What you were is what you are, and that's, they, they can't move on. Unfortunately, some of us can't move on ourselves. We're, you know, just burdened with the past, what we've done, what we did, maybe even still doing. That has no consequence with God. I know it's hard to grab that. But anyway, the story begins is that this nation is about to be destroyed at the commandment of God. And I mean, they're out to be annihilated. And this woman, somehow or another, finds safety. They're there to kill her and her people. And they go now, they're sent by Joshua. The irony of this cannot be lost. He says, go and spy the land. Take a look at it. Now, bear in mind, Joshua was one of the original spies 40 years before. He was the, the two that said, the land is fine. It's amazing. We have God. And they tried to kill him and Caleb. He knows the land better than anybody. He doesn't need anybody to go spy out the land. When you read the story, the two spies didn't spy anything. 
They didn't find out one bit of information other than from Rahab. They knew nothing. They saw nothing. They spent all those days hiding, first in her house and then in the mountains for three days. All they did was hide. When they came back to Joshua, they had no news. They didn't say this, that, the fortifications, the armies, nothing. So why'd they go? And why would Joshua, secretly that is, he didn't tell anybody he was doing this other than the two spies. Why did he send the spies in the first place? Well, when you read the story, you realize, you've got to be kidding me. Did God send? No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He sent those two men not to reconnoiter the land, but to find Rahab. There was a woman of faith in a harlot's house doing things she shouldn't be doing, but she had faith in God. And God sent the men to save her. It's amazing. Just amazing. The heart of God, if we could only grab that. You may be in a bad way today. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. Maybe you're still doing things you shouldn't be doing. Don't let your past or your present define you because you're God's kid and he'll see you through it. And before you know it, he'll change you the way he changed Rahab. Oh, it's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. So that's why they spied. Now, as the story goes, as we said, they're out to destroy this nation. She then takes the spies and the king is after the spies. She hides them. She saves them, shows them kindness according to her. Listen to what happens. This is why she is saved. She says and knows things that you wish Christians would know. That's why this is so life-changing. She said this, I know, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She knew the power of God. She knows that God has given everything to his favorite people. If she were a Christian today, she'd go, I know God, I know Jesus. Don't you worry about it. He's going to heal you, take care of you, prosper you, protect you. He's given you everything. She knows. Christians don't know. It's a shame. Study this chapter. It's one little chapter, Joshua chapter 2. And realize what she knows we have to know, that God has given you the land and that the terror of the Holy Spirit that's in you terrorizes Satan and all the demons. You've got nothing to be scared of, nothing. But she knows that. I know. She's not saying maybe. She's risking her life knowing, you guys are out to kill me, but I know something. I know God's giving you the land, but let's continue reading because this is amazing. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea 40 years before. That's a long testimony. 40 years prior to this occurrence and how you came out of Egypt and he annihilated the kings that you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard of those things, our hearts still did melt. Listen to this. There was no more courage in any man because of you. The world is terrified of you, Christian. Walk into the business. Take over the business. Stop being scared. Stop thinking you can't be what you want to be. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Do not allow anything to define you other than the scriptures. And according to this in the Old Testament, you're it. Do you know you're it? She did. Listen to this. And there not remain any courage in any man because of you. Listen to this. 
for the Lord your God, listen to her confession, he is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. This woman had faith. So in spite of her condition, in spite of her occupation, in spite of what she, this woman knew God. I wish Christians knew 10% of this. They're terrified. Along comes a virus and they're, they're in fear. Fear of what? My God, God can't protect you. God cannot prosper you. God can't guide you. Well, I don't know how to do it. You don't have to know how to do it. He knows how to do it. Just rest on him. He said, because of God. Man, the Lord is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. According to Christians, you think he's only God in heaven. And the earth is running itself. And it's, it's like hell breaking loose. That's because you're allowing it. You're, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? You have the power of God inside of you. Yes or no? You have the kingdom of God inside of you. Yes or no? Well, my God, live like it. But it's not by righteousness, even though I know people are going to walk out of here saying we can sin. No, you cannot sin. But that's not what qualifies you. What qualifies you is the blood of Jesus, slightly bigger than sin. Now, this is critical to understand this. I mean, I mean, really, it's critical to get this. So then she says, and it's amazing, I therefore, I pray that you swear to me by God. Number one, first step that she did, because I have shown you kindness, listen, since I showed you kindness, that you will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. In one more verse, we'll find out what a true token is, because this is what we have to understand. It's not a phrase. It's not a catchphrase, a nice statement. This is the bedrock, the essence of the Bible. It's the essence of our lives. Watch this. And then listen, that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our eyes from death. Now, before we explain the true token, how many people do you think were in that house? They had servants, they had friends, they had neighbors, they had slaves, they had... A and she says, save everybody. There could have been several hundred people in that home. Listen, she turned a prostitute's house into a church. You got to hear that. It's amazing. A city of refuge. This is why this woman, this is the teaching that changes lives. So first she showed kindness. Now she's turning in the, church, the house, her place of business. Get this. Today, you, people would shudder. One of our, some of our finest services were in bars. I mean, really, the church started, we were in the bars, we were in the clubs. It was amazing. They, the people were leaving drunk and we'd be coming in to have service and then getting half those people saved before they left. It was amazing. We should do it again. We should have a bar in here. I'm serious. You think I'm kidding. No, no I'm not kidding. Aren't we discussing having beer and wine day? Yes or no? Okay. We're going to have beer and wine tasting. I know that sounds sacrilegious. How else are you going to get the world for crying out loud? Unbelievable. Listen to this. Before we do true token, she mentions her father, her mother, her brethren, and her sisters. Henceforth, in the Bible, every time they rehearse who is going to get saved in Rahab's house, they omit the sisters. They don't ever mention the sisters again. It's like they're second-class citizens. 
if you really think about it, the teaching is very subtle. She's only, the only one that will mention these girls. How many people would not be saved if their names are not in your spirit, if their names are not in your words and on your lips? She's the only one that has concern for the sisters. Women were relegated to such a low position that they said, oh, yeah, we're going to save your brother, your father, we're going to save everybody, your uncles, your cousins, and they don't even mention the sisters. She's the only one. But the teaching is, according to Romans chapter 10, how many people are you designed to mention to God? That if you don't mention them, they won't get mentioned. If you don't take care of them, if you don't guard them, they won't be taken care of. If you don't get them saved, they're not getting saved. Listen, you have an obligation. The moment she saw that she could get saved, she goes, wait a minute, I want everybody to come with me. She didn't say, God Almighty, I'm okay, huh? Thank you, Jesus, I'm safe. Hell no. She said, I want everybody, and whatever they own, whatever they got, I want them in with me. That's the heart that avoids a plague. By the way, just a side note, does it matter where you congregate? A good local church, I'm not, I don't mean that. Does it matter going to church? Well, what do you think would happen to these people? They said, I'm, I'm Rahab's cousin, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Here comes the sword. Or in the book of Acts, did it matter to be in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell? Could you have been out in the meadow somewhere? It matters. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of the brethren. It matters. It matters where you are on Sunday. And that is one of the Ten Commandments to not forsake the Sabbath of God. Did it matter to be in this house? It's the only, every place else, judgment fell. Can somebody hear that in the spirit? Every place else, judgment fell. Every house, every wall, every meadow, every brick, judgment fell, except the house of a prostitute. Oh my God, that's unbelievable. That's absolutely unbelievable. Here's the true token. She says, give me a true token. And then you save my mother, my father, my sisters. And the men answered, here's the true token. This is it. Our life for yours. If you want a true token, a true sign, then you have to hear Jesus Christ saying to you, my life for yours. That's the only true token you're ever going to get. You can't rely on people. If you saved your life, it wouldn't matter to rely on someone. But on Jesus, that's the true token. And he says, my life for you. And if I died for you, you know what he says? Can you live for me? If I die for you, can you live for me? It's a fair exchange. But that's the only true token there is in all of existence. To know the Lord's Savior, the guy who will never lie to you, the guy who will save you from everything, just like this woman, the guy who doesn't care what you did or what you're doing. It's not you know, don't, don't say we're saying you can sin. Of course not. But he's not going to hold it against you. Why? Because he already held it against you. He already, you didn't get away with anything. He scalded you, punished you so severely you wouldn't have survived. It was all on the back of Jesus Christ, your Lord Savior. You didn't get away with a thing. Not today, not tomorrow. The punishment was exacted severely. So the men say, all life are yours. Then she lets them down by that red cord, that ribbon. And they, they go to the mountain. She tells them, hide for three days. Of course, we know what that means. We don't have the time to explain it, but it's profound revelation. And the men then said, we're going to be blameless. Can you imagine what they're saying? We're blameless. 
if you go outside of this house, if you don't put that cord in the window, if you don't accept the Passover lamb, if you don't openly, without any embarrassment, wear that red sash or tell people around Jesus, or you don't have that red ribbon in your life, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're traveling, and someone says something, you better speak up, because he did for you. You better chime it loud and clear. I am a Christian. Someone starts doing filthy stuff in front of me, you say, pardon me, hold it. Not in my presence, you don't. I'm a Christian. Please, respect. It's time that people started talking like that again. Don't you stay in the presence of filth or something defiling your Lord and Savior. Have a little character. He did. This woman was amazing. So now listen to what happens. Of course, we know the story. They stay in the house and they're saved, and the cord is tied to the window. Then he gives her the warning. They have to stay and remain in the house. But think about her name, this harlot. As I said in the New Testament, still called a prostitute. But she wanted just to be saved, with her family to be saved. She never bargained for the goodness of God beyond her imagination. She never thought, what did you say? I, there's more to this than just being saved? If you turn to the first chapter of Matthew, it takes a startling turn. Those of you that know this, let it impact you. Because every time I read it, I, I find it astonishing. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Don't be bored when you read all these names. They mean something. It's profound what they mean. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac Jacob, Jacob Judah and his brethren. Judah begat Perez of Tamar, which is a story by itself. What, now that's a marriage if there ever was one. <laughs> wow. We'll talk about that in the future. We just can't have children present. Perez begat Herzon. Herzon begat Ram. Listen to this. Ram begat Aminadab. And now it gets interesting. And he begat Nashon. Get this. Nashon begat Salmon. Salmon, a prince of Judah, married a little lady by the name of Rahab. How did this woman... You just got to see God's humor. This is a prostitute. She ends up marrying a prince of Judah. Well, wait a second. You think a prince of Judah would do that? Not... Uh, no, absolutely not. So why did he and how? Well, that's what God does. He'll take a prostitute and transform into a princess and put her in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know this. They get together and they have somebody by the name of Boaz. Boaz marries, get this, Ruth, a cursed Moabite because his mama <laughs> was, oh, this is too good, just too good. She's a cursed Canaanite. And then, of all things, they have Obed. Obed has Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. This from a harlot? Are you serious? Go fast forward a thousand years later, and there's this guy by the name of Jesus Christ talking to another cursed woman, a Canaanite by a well. This, doesn't, this is an amazing story, but it, it doesn't end there. Go forward a few mamas and dads 
One daughter has another daughter, then a son and another daughter. Just keep going. And all of a sudden, one day, a daughter down the line of Rahab wakes up one morning and finds herself pregnant. And there's a visitor in the room. How did this happen? Well, dear, the Holy Spirit, you're going to give birth to God. Wait a minute. To Jesus? Out of the line of Rahab? Do you know that more than 14 kings came out of Rahab? Kings. Do you hear that? In her lineage, there's 14 kings of Israel. There are prophets in her lineage. But better than that, there's Jesus Christ that came out of her lineage. What? Do you think maybe that Jesus Christ wants to, wants to come out of your lineage? Do you think there's something in your future that's glorious that you haven't thought about or seen because you keep thinking, I did that or I did this, or someone's telling you, you can't do it? You're telling yourself in the mirror, I don't see how, I don't see the door open, but I'm stuck, you're stuck, I made a mistake, I have a problem, all this nonsense. And we take our eyes off of the goodness of Jesus Christ. You have to say what she said, I don't care about anything, I know he is God. And I know he's going to save me. And I know he is good. I can't figure it out. I don't have to figure it out. I have to know him. She figured out things that Christians don't know. She had it all figured it out. She had it all worked out. I know he is God. Heaven and earth. End of story. Sometimes you just make it simple. Stop complicating everything. Stop thinking about you. It's not about you. You got caught up in his goodness. It's about him. And he's so amazing that, believe me, you're going to turn out just fine. But you have to have a certain degree of faith. You do. You do. You got to get past the brokenness, the fears, the identity crisis. The not knowing or knowing, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All that's going to do, you're going to end up like Adam and Eve. But if you can do what a prostitute said, I know, I don't care. He knows what I do for a living, she must have said. She knows what I did last night. She know, he knows what I'm going to do tonight. He knows, but I'm still going to build this church and he's still going to bless me and he's going to transform me. Can somebody say Amen. Listen, I know it's a phrase, it's not about us. It's not. It's this ocean of goodness and we're worrying about if we can get our pinky wet. Pinky wet? You're going to drown in this goodness for crying out loud. What are you talking about? But unless you get in touch of this, that this man, when asked of a true token, his answer was, the only thing I can give you that's true is my life for your life. Will you accept the terms of covenant? Because what she did, she understood how God worked. She knew. God gave her a revelation. He works by covenant. Seven of them in the entire Bible. You're living in the last covenant. There will not be number eight. And he knew she works. He works by promise, by handshake by truth that I have to believe. And so she said, you make a covenant with me and you give me a true token. And he said, sure, I'll give you my life. And this ribbon 
is the symbol of our covenant. This ribbon is the you and I under the blood of God. And if you think God is going to let you down, you've got another thing coming. This guy is amazing. He's thorough. He's excellent. He doesn't lie. He doesn't tease. He's amazing. He is the truth. And if we will just give him a little bit of faith and say what she said, and then make a promise, God, you have me. I'll give myself to no other. It's you and me, God. My life for yours. I accept. Your life will change like nothing you've ever seen. In the name of Jesus.